Today's podcast brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis. Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to The Weekly Grill. It's hard to believe, but it's 10 years since the death of Xander MacDonald, a man described as a visionary in the Australian beef industry. Such was the universal admiration and respect for Xander. A group of friends rallied together and established the annual Xander MacDonald Award. This prestigious award focuses on young people working in the primary industry sector of Australia and New Zealand. The award supports future career development. The not long ago announced winner of the Xander MacDonald Award in Australia for 2023 is Mitchell Hyatt from New South Wales. Mitchell, welcome and congratulations. Thanks so much, Kerry. It's an absolute honour to receive the award and really looking forward to having a chat with you now. Now, Mitch, we'll uh, certainly get to your career and aspirations, but first, give us a, a word picture of what the Xander McDonald Award involves. I mean, what have you actually won? Yeah, sure. So the the Xander Award is really in uh, recognition of Xander McDonald, who was just such a huge spirit and pioneer in the in the beef, especially in the beef industry in Australia. He was welcomed worldwide and and also you know just such a well respected figure um, that anyone that got to got to know him and got to meet him so the awards in honor honor of him and, and what it's based on is really about supporting the the younger generation I suppose in agriculture about mentoring them and lifting them to go to new heights and, and giving them the the I suppose the avenues and some and some financial support to, to get there it's it's a great award it's been one of the uh, one of the, the biggest achievements of my life, and yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to continuing to to grab it with both hands and, and everything it offers. So you'll be meeting some of the big hitters in the beef industry. Tell us about that, and and there's a fair bit of travel involved too. That's right. Yeah. So the part of the the award is is a mentoring trip around both Australia and New Zealand, where we have a customised program where we get to meet. You know some of the biggest and best in in not just beef, but also you know other ag sectors as well. It's really about focusing on you know the different things that that I'm interested in, and and also you know those ones that are really kind of leading the charge in, in developing the industry and and developing the people in it. And you've got an amazing twelve months. The, the the travel in particular, I think, would be something you would be looking forward to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it it's it's a really compressed travel schedule and we and it's done purposely so that we can get the most out of it i have to say we're, we're pretty lucky in being able to use a uh, a pilates plane to get us around to all these different mentoring trips and, and different spaces that we're going so that makes things a little bit easier to, to action pack the week and, and yeah it, it, it's great to to be able to to do that and, and have the ability to to use a a great bit of kit like the uh the pilates plane now, Mitch, I have to start my questioning of you with something very, very different. You are not a boy from the bush. Your early life, at least, school, etc., was in suburban Sydney. Tell us the story of your move from, might I say, an urban cowboy to a bush rooster. Yeah, look, I, I think I, I definitely was labelled throughout school as the concrete cowboy. It was all I ever wanted to do and, and, and what um, what I had you know, probably set in my in my mind from very very early on is that you know my future was going to be in the bush, and I was looking for 
every avenue that would uh, that would allow me to do that. So yeah, look, it was um, we, we obviously as a as a as a family we had little hobby farms and things like that. But our bring uh, being brought up in the in the city, um, I think it just added a bit of a balance too. You know, Kerry, like I, I didn't have a, a, a generational farm that I, I needed to go back to. I didn't have a you know a location that was required for me to to return to. So I really was able to spearhead my own direction. Um, look what I look for what I enjoyed, and, and then start you know taking those opportunities on and, and developing my skill set from a very early age. You were boarding at Knox, and so did you go home to country places with uh, schoolmates there, and that's what started it all. We lived in the in the city, so you know we didn't have to have to board. But what I did is is really kind of on those holidays during school is is go out and, and help out on, on friends' uh, farms wherever they might be located. I was very, very fortunate to have some, some very patient friends and very patient friends' parents that were uh, would allow me to go out and learn. And then, you know, what really spurred it on was realising how much fun I was having doing that and that that was actually a career path. That was the real, I suppose, trigger for me that uh, that this was this was the right direction. This is what I wanted to do, and and I was going to make sure that um, that I focused on getting there. So, was there a single incident or moment in your holiday trips to the country when you decided I really like this, I want to live out here, and, and I want to work out here? Yeah, look, I think that the, the big one was I, I had I had a friend that um, they had a, a pretty big sheep property down on the Hay Plains. And I just couldn't get over the, the size and, and the expanse of it. And then, you know, we were just, you know, we're just mucking around. Like it was, we'd work pretty hard during the day, but then by the afternoon, we were, we were probably just in our, in our budgie smugglers and, and, and sharpening sticks to go, you know, spear carp in the rice paddies or something like that. Something that, you know, just kids do. And that for me was, you know, a really big one where, you know, I was I was just having so much fun and and enjoying every bit of it and and I think that combined with you know my my grandfather was was quite involved in the ag sector throughout his career and the stories that he used to tell me about his life on the stations up north just concreted this way that I saw of my career going um, and put a bit of a pathway in front of me of how I could do it. So when did you get to Orange Ag College? Was that before or after your big trip to America? Yeah, so that Orange Ag was after my trip to America. Okay, so, okay, okay. Let's talk talk about that American trip. You ended up in Texas, did you not, in your first trip? That's right, yeah. So finished school and about a couple of days later I was on a on a plane to, to West Texas to work on a, uh, a cotton peanut and, and, and ranch and they had a bit of cattle as well. And I suppose for me that was just, I just saw that as every boy's dream. You know, it was it was going into cowboy country. I you know got off the plane, and the first thing I saw was people walking around with handguns by their side. <laughs> I thought, yeah, yep, this is, uh, this is this is me. This is where this is what I've come to see. And this is um, Texas. <laughs> this is Texas. Yeah, exactly right. And I was just so lucky, Kerry, that you know the family that was uh, that accepted me and took me in to to work on their ranch were are still to this day. Very, very close friends. You know that they had they had two daughters and no son. So I think they call me the son they never had. Sometimes, right. so a big property growing a lot of cotton. Yeah, so they they, they grew somewhere around seven to eight thousand acres of irrigated cotton every year. So 
Look, it's it's in terms of I suppose scale against Australia is is it would be you know pretty pretty medium, but for over there on uh, growing on pretty much pure sand, it was it was a big big operation. Lots of people involved. You know, over there it's, it's more it's more about how many people can you throw at it rather than you know how can you improve it with technology. So you know there was thirty odd staff there um, full time that were were, were running the ranches. Uh, so yeah, big big operation over there. And again, just a, a, a lot of fun. And, and there were cattle on board as well. Yeah, some cattle over there as well. So a lot of the uh, you know the cover cropping over there was on was on that same kind of country. And then they would uh, yeah bring bring breeders in and and run those run those properties just kind of as cover crops, but also you know getting a bit of cash on the side as well through through cattle. It was it was a really it was a really good system to kind of see and, and see how they can be very versatile in what they do. I imagine it'd be heavily mechanised there, of course. Yeah, very, very mechanised. There was, um, yeah, as they say, a lot of dinosaurs burning all the time over there with <laughs> tractors and pumps and stuff. So, look, it was, um, it, you know, really high input country. That that was one thing that really interested me over there. Is is as I said, their way to resolve things was just to increase whatever they were doing. So whether that be if, it, if you've got some weed resistance, you just up the dose. If you need more power, you, you up the horsepower. And, and, yeah, everything was just get you know more people, more, more machinery and, and bigger machinery. Yeah, there are a lot of stories in American Ag that we, we raise our eyebrows at here. But So when did you get back to Orange Ag and what did you learn there? What, what sort of course did you do at Orange Ag College? Yeah, so, sure. So I, I finished up with um, with my stint over in the states and, and did a bit of time in the UK as well, and came back in uh, two thousand and eight. It would have been, um, and and at Orange Ag College, I have to say, I, I originally was actually going to go to um, to Sydney University to do ag economics. Went to the open day there, saw how many people were there, and after being on a pretty lonely ranch in Texas, I, I started. I have to admit, I probably got a bit people scared, so. Thought, look, no, this is uh, this is not the course that I'm going to do, and, and looked for a bush college, and, and found Orange Ag there, and, and ended up doing uh, agricultural management with a with kind of a major stream of agribusiness, and met some fantastic people out there. You know, I, I kind of considered them my people, and really, really quickly made some lifelong friends out of there, and and still to this day very, very close with a lot of them as well. Is, was there much practical application in that course at Orange in those days? Yeah, look, it was it was still quite practical. I, I suppose you know th- there there was a bit of a of a reduction in the practicality side of things during my time. I was one of the last, I suppose, cohorts to go through Orange Ag until it all got transferred down to Wagga. Yeah. Um, and you know that was you know, we we always wanted to get out on the farms more. Obviously, that everyone had a farming background, and that's what we really enjoyed. But you know, for me as well is is I also wanted to understand the business side of farming, and that's that's the real reason why you know I went to I went to college was to to understand what makes farms tick. You know, you can be the best ringer in the world, but you know if you can't run a business, it's going to be pretty pretty tough slog. So that that that's the reason why I went there, and and I got a lot lot out of it as well. There were some really great lecturers that were that were, um, had been in the system for a long time and had a huge amount of knowledge. So, yeah, it was, it was a really good experience. Time for a break. I'm talking with Mitchell Hylett, the 2023 winner of the Xander McDonald Award. 
Breathe easy with Rhinogard, the only single-dose intranasal vaccine for control of IBR in your cattle. Get in control of bovine respiratory disease, that's BRD, before it begins. Just deliver a single intranasal spray of Rhinogard for rapid IBR control and add a single dose of Bovishield MH1 for protection against pneumonia. For rapid protection against MH and IBR in your weaners and pre-feedlot cattle, breathe easy with Bovishield and Rhinogard. Available from your local vet today. For over 180 years, Elders has proudly been supporting Australian livestock producers. Elders supports your business across the production cycle with more than 350 livestock agents, access to specialist livestock advice and auction services. Draw on our established relationships to buy and sell commercial and stud livestock across domestic and international markets. Enjoy Del Credere guaranteed payments when you sell with Elders. Livestock funding also available subject to approval. Elders for Australian agriculture. Welcome back. You're on the Girls Beef Central. Our guest today, Mitch Hyatt, the 2023 winner of the Xander McDonald Award. Do you think we underestimate the value of the practical skills being told to young people these days before they go out and get a job on the land? Uh, look, yeah, I think I think there's got to be a balance there, Kerry. Like you know, there's there's certainly understanding that um, that financial side of it, but then also putting that into a practical sense, you know, there's there's what you can read in a textbook, but you need to really take that story the whole way through and, and understand how that image uh, really kind of relays on farm and, and becomes something that you can measure and, and actually put a method to. So I think, you know, the, the practicality is, is really, really important. I mean, we're always going to need people to be out on farms and, and, and doing the hard work. But if you can add a little bit of, you know, the business sense and a, and a bit of that business acumen to that person as well, is, is there going to be a real force and a real driver in success of, of a farm business? So, Mitch, you're back in Australia. Where did you land job-wise out of Orange? Out, out of Orange, it um, actually saw me go back out of Australia again. But yeah, over, over to uh, over to Canada where, where we were running well, sorry, where I was employed to help out with running a huge ag operation over in the prairies of Canada, where we were farming on First Nation land, um, which was interesting because, you know, again, thrown into the deep end a little bit, but, um, you know, we had to work with the First Nation Indians there as part of the agreement to farm their land. And we were, we were cropping well over um, 250,000 acres annually. So it was a Massive operation. It was my first soiree, I suppose you'd say, into corporate agriculture, where again that that financial um, and business that I learnt at college came really handy because. So, so were you growing yeah. canola and running cattle at the same time, were you? Or? That's right. Yeah, yeah. A, a very canola dominant cropping, um, and, and yeah, huge cattle numbers that would have to be set it over winter, which was a which was a big concept um, for me as well. How many? How many? Uh, so, how many cattle did you shed? Come, come the snowfall. There was somewhere around two hundred thousand head of cattle that would be shedded every winter. Two hundred thousand under under cover. Wow. Yeah, across four different provinces in Canada, it was it was a huge operation, and and unfortunately no longer exists. But it was it was a it was a massive learning, and and just you know so many moving parts that existed there. And the good thing about Canada is that there was a lot of relatability 
to to Australia in some senses. The people were, were very very similar. They obviously still had a lot of a, a lot of supplement and and and, um, and help through their government as as the Americans do as well. But it was it was just interesting to see the, the different cropping systems that existed over there and the technology that they were using was very similar to what we see in Australia. And twelve foot of topsoil for most of the country. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Now let's go. Let's move on to when did you're back in Australia and you start Bullseye Ag? What what did Bullseye do and how did that develop? Bullseye started. I was I was working with a with an accounting and uh, an advisory firm in Sydney that was specialising in in the ag sector. And what, how it Bullseye came to be was that there was a lot of support I found for that real corporate side of things, where you know there would be a corporate entity wanting to invest in agriculture and and needed the advice and skills to to set that up, but. There was a gap missing for those people that were really looking for uh, doing the same thing, but with with not the same budget. Um, there was there was a lack of support there. So I started Bullseye Ag with you know the first client that just wanted to yeah set up a farm uh, in the northern rivers of New South Wales. We set that farm up for him, redid redid everything on the farm, and from there Bullseye Ag started to grow. We we started to see people that were just wanting. Just labour assistance on their farm if they if they felt like they weren't keeping up with it, and it continued to lead into more of the management of those operations and support with the labour. So we've got a very hybrid model in in how we can assist our clients. But yeah, we we've now go across both both New South Wales and Queensland with our team um, helping out farmers, and and we've we've got a range of of, of farm operations from a couple of hundred acres. In the central west of New South Wales, to a couple of hundred thousand acres in uh, in, in Queensland, we, we we help throughout the whole system. And uh, Wyuna Ag, has this developed from the Bullseye experience? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, Wyuna is um, is a company that has been set up to really dominate and, and, and promote the the existence of how a carbon system can support a primary produce producing system as well, and how they can work together to to really have Great financial benefits and also co-benefits from a from a natural capital point of view, um, and yeah, really excited to be a part of, of the Wyuna team, and, and we continue to to grow uh, quite quickly, which is great, and, and 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 keep on showing how that this you know this this kind of co-benefit can can exist between the two. You've had some broad experiences, Mitch, for a relatively young bloke in the ag business. What, what's your macro view of how things are being done in agriculture around Australia? Look, you know, I, I always think that there's always room for improvement, Kerry. You know, there's, there's always a way that if we, if we really kind of share experiences and share ideas that people are doing around the sector, is that everyone can benefit. I think in the in the ag sector, we've been usually quite reserved about performance around uh, around what what's happening at a farm level, and then sharing that to the broader broader industry. I, I think that the, the wheels are changing. I think we we are moving to being far more transparent and far more open to share those experiences on on what worked and what hasn't worked. But I think we also have to make sure we remain positive about our industry as well. We've we've been we've got. Plenty of people that probably want to poo-poo our industry for us. We don't need the people involved in it to be doing the same thing. So for me, it's, it's about sharing the messages on what we're doing at a farm level 
share what we're doing throughout the whole farm gate and, and then also is, is just promoting our industry as well to, to everyone around us. I, I think we are the greatest and, and, and world leaders in producing proteins, in producing food and fibre, and I think we need to be absolutely celebrating that. What's your view on the carbon zero emissions target for the red meat industry by 2030? Can we do it and is it being done the right way? Look, in a word, Terry, probably ambitious is probably the first word I'd use. But look, I think, you know, anything that we can do that helps helps out with our industry as a whole. So obviously kind of going through the, 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 the runs and the thoughts on, on what is what we're seeing at a, at a worldwide level. I think anything that we can do that makes make sure that we we continue to produce quality beef and beef that is going to be wanted by the rest of the world is a positive thing. You know, the, the the carbon neutrality or, or, or carbon you know reduction, you know, is something that the world is screaming out for. And and whether that be you know right or wrong, I think we still have a, a big part to play in in trying to perform to that to that scale. And and that's what I think is important, and why you know companies like Wayuna and and many others out there are so important to show how you can maintain that those production levels whilst also contributing to the effort to reduce the uh, the, the carbon in the atmosphere. Mitchell, you're also putting back into the ag sector. You've become involved with uh, young farmers of New South Wales. You have been, or you are, the chairman of Young Farmers of New South Wales. What do you think yeah. of agri-politics? Are you inclined to get further involved as your career progresses? Yeah, look, so I was chairman of, of New South Wales Young Farmers and then, yeah, sadly aged out. I, I'm too old now, Kerry, for that position. <laughs> look, my, my soiree into, into ag-politics was, was certainly interesting. I think there's, there's, there's a lot of really, really um, passionate people that are involved in, in that sector and, and, and they're very, very good at doing their advocacy work. For me, I think I, I'd prefer to be more on the, the one that's, um, that's trying to do it on farm in a, in a practical sense and, and, and have those people that show such passion and devotion to the politics to, to, be, the, to be the voice and to contribute to their efforts. It, 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 it's a hard one because you can, only, you can only do so much and there's only 24 hours in a day, I've, I've quickly realised and so far, I've I've probably um, hung up my political uh, political hat for a little bit, but that's not to say that uh, it, it won't come off the hook at some point. <laughs> I'm told you're very keen personally on owning and running a beef property. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the dream. Um, you know, I, I've got my own uh, cattle herd that that we lease several farms out in the central west of New South Wales, and that's how I've seen my my first step to ownership is to you know, you have the cattle herd there, and yes, it's on lease country. But you know, the, the next stage would really be about how to convert that onto owned country. You know, we all know, um, it's, and it's been very, very clear that agricultural land has, you know, just exponentially jumped in value over over the last couple of years, particularly. And that just does make that does make it harder for for someone in my position to to enter the market. But, you know, that doesn't mean that it's impossible and, and I found a way through leasing and there's other, other share farm arrangements and adjustment arrangements that enable you to, to still be the farmer but you just might not own the land and, and at this stage that, that's okay with me. Mitch, a hypothetical to you uh, through various circumstances. Suddenly, you are Australia's Minister for Agriculture. 
Give our listeners on this podcast, On The Grill, one, two or three things you might want to achieve very quickly. First one would certainly be about how to how to get the next generation excited about ag, how to maintain this positive force that we've got in the industry and have have the people coming in behind it excited, have them have them ready to go and, and make sure that they've got the required education and information behind them to make a real success out of it. I think already we've got great people, but we need more. So that would be one. Two would be around ensuring that delivery of, of our message of Australian produce is heard loud and clear. Is that you know we 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 pride ourselves on our on our clean green image, and I think that we need to continue to to promote that throughout the world and, and make sure that we continue to open up more markets and more avenues for people to to be able to take a farm on and know that they've got the full support of of the government to to go out there and, and produce and, and and get paid appropriately for that. Third one would be really. Uh, I'd have to think about the third one, actually, Kerry. It, 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 you, you put me on the spot here, but I, I think you know if, if if it was if it was just two, those two would definitely be right at the forefront. And and actually, to be honest, the third one would pre, be also making sure that me as the as the potential and hypothetical minister of ag was making sure that you know I, I didn't try to tape up the industry. I think we can get caught up a little bit in some of the rules and regulations that exist within in our industry. And, you know, one of my big things would be is to try to remove those barriers and remove that tape. Mitchell Hyatt, Australia's Xander McDonald Award winner, recipient of 2023. You have a wonderful 12 months ahead. Good luck on that journey. Thanks for being on the grill for Beef Central. No worries, Karen. Yeah, thanks very much. And, yeah, look, really excited to to continue with the, with the Xander Award and, and really I hope that anyone that is listening, if they're thinking about applying for it, please do so. It's an amazing experience. Good on you, Mitch. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. And thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan. This has been The Weekly Grill, brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis.